0: Hello, and welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we attack our most pervasive fears with truth, because life is too short for any of us to live enslaved. We are passionate about helping God's children live in freedom. We would love to chat with you online or on social media. Visit our show notes to learn how to connect with us. I'm Jennifer Sattery. And I'm Tara Rye.
1: We're so glad that you are here with us. We are continuing our series on faith over fear and the women of the Bible. And we are on our third woman. And today's story, we're going to be looking at how God provides for all our needs. And what I really love about this particular aspect of the series is that we're going to see that oftentimes we're not even aware that God is in the process of making a way for us. And he is orchestrating circumstances with people and circumstances that are beyond what we can see in order
0: to meet our need when we're going to need it the most. I love that. And I think he also reminds us like our our paycheck, our savings plan, our spouse, all those things that we place our security, we can place our security, and those are not ultimately our provider. And I know he showed me that in a really powerful way. So some of the listeners know I went through a period of homelessness in my teen years. And then later as an adult, I had this, like I controlled every aspect of my life, of my family and our budget. We went by a budget on an Excel sheet. And if it was just a little over, and I mean like just a teeny bit dollars over, it would create an anxiety response in me. And so I watched our budget so closely and I had our pantry stock. Like at one time, it was kind of a family joke, but it was very real. I would have eight jars of peanut butter in our pantry. It wasn't enough to have one. I needed to have all the food. And if God hadn't intervened and helped me to recognize, because I knew, I think I knew those things were very shaky, right? We know intrinsically when we put our security in things other than God in our spirit, we know they're shaky. And so it creates this ongoing sense of insecurity where we feel like we have to control. And that's what I was doing. And you can imagine it was not fun for my family, to be around that. I can't even imagine how hard that would have been because it almost sounds like
1: you were preparing as if there was a famine in the land, but there wasn't a famine. But at some time in your life, because of what you went through with homelessness, it caused you to want to be a person who over prepares and put the trust in yourself and not in God. And that reminds me of today's story of what we're going to look at, because in the time of Elijah and this widow that we're going to look at, we're going to see that things were really bad. There was a drought in the land and the king had done more evil than any other king before him. And the people in the land had forgotten God altogether. But the prophet Elisha spoke to the people and said, as the Lord God lives, there will not be rain in this land until I speak it, until it happens. And in that, he then was sent by God to a ravine. And in this ravine, God started sending ravens that would bring him meat and bread in the morning and in the evening and provided for him until it was time for him to move on because the river that he was at in the ravine dried up. And then God sent him to Zarephath. And in Zarephath,
0: he met this widow. Let me actually read from scripture So this is 1 Kings 17. I'm going to start in verse 9, and I'm actually going to go all the way down to 14. And so this is what scripture says. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar So I may have a drink. I have to laugh here because it's a drought, but yeah, will you back to scripture so that I may have a drink as she was going to get it? He called and bring me, please a piece of bread as surely as the Lord, your God lives. She replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die
1: I love this passage because as you are reading this and it's talking about the physical provision of her physical need being met, but it cracks me up. You just bid your funny. My funny in this is that she's preparing for them to die. It's the last meal. It's the last supper. And he's like, oh, before you go and do that, hey, would you do this for me? But what she didn't realize is that in her sacrifice, in that moment that she is giving him of their last meal it's actually the beginning of God providing for the bigger picture, which would be for her son to be saved. So in the story, it continues on and it tells us later on that the son becomes very ill and is not he's not moving. And she calls to the prophet and she's like, what is this? Have you come and done this to me that my sin would be revealed? And he's like, give me your son. And he takes the son upstairs where he was staying and he lays on him three times and, and cries out to the Lord, help him to live. And the Lord heard his prayer and the son came out of it and he was able to carry the son down to the widow. And so she was able to say, you are a prophet of God. I know you are a prophet of God. And and so it was in that provision of her sacrificing without having any clue what God was doing, it was actually providing for greater provision by giving her her son.
0: That's so beautiful. And I love also that God sent Elijah to Sidon. Because during that time, it was a really dark time in history, and there was a queen named Jezebel, and she is said to be a prophetess of Baal, a false god, who is also said to be the god of the harvest, the storm god. And so God, the real God, creator God, sent a drought, which just again demonstrated it's, I am the provider I am the God of the harvest. I am the God of rain. I am the God of all creation. And then he sends Elijah, his spokesman, to Jezebel's hometown, her home area, an area that was believed because back then cities were believed to have like a God over each city and their God was Baal. And I just wonder, so the widow's obedience, not only did it strengthen her faith, I believe it strengthened Elijah's faith because I had to be hard it had to be incredibly hard and and
1: the knowing that he was the one that had spoken to the evil king her husband that rain would not come until i said so when the land is already in a drought and then having to flee what we see is that not only is god the provider of the widow He provided first for Elijah in preparation. And so we see a whole process of how God is providing for him so that he can provide for her. And then as she goes and tells, it provides for the community to reveal that he is
0: the God who is alive. He does live. I love that you mentioned the community. Because when God meets with us, when God engages in our life, when we respond in obedience, and then God does what only God can do, other people see, and they can experience him through our experiences. And I wonder, like the village, if they see this widow, and it's interesting to me, God could not have brought, I don't think, Elijah to a more destitute, weak marginalized person. Hmm. And that's significant. I think
1: that is significant. And it makes me think back in your story and and how you were sharing that because of being homeless as a young person that caused an outcome later in your life, when you were struggling during that time, how did God meet you and, and you encounter Him and see what he's
0: doing in your life and cause change so that it's caused others to change. You know, that was such a, a huge moment in my life because through that, there are a couple things first. So actually what had happened, we went through a period of unemployment. And so that was like one of my worst fears. And I felt like I was kind of in a way, I felt like I was reliving things that had been deep pains for, for me, both something from my childhood and then also from my teen years. And I felt like I was right back there. And in my brain, I was going to end up under an overpass. Like that was just logically where we were going to end up. And I had a moment where God met with me so, so powerful, powerfully, where I knew in that moment, even if my family and I were to be under an overpass, we would have Jesus and it would be enough. And a sense of peace just swept over me. And I had to be the Holy Spirit because I'm normally not that way but it was a profound moment of just recognizing he was going to be with us wherever we were. And so that was kind of my surrender moment. But then through that, he helped me to understand that in many ways, yes, I was kind of reliving things that had had caused me pain, but it was completely different because I had Jesus and I would always have Jesus. And I recognized that he was enough. And because of that, it was about a three-year transition, uh, that whole period, where God was just bringing stuff to the surface to bring healing to it. And after that, we really banded together as a family. We found a devotional that we started reading every night. And what because of that, what could have destroyed our family, an event that could have destroyed our family and could have <laughs> really done a deep, like not good work in me, ended up drawing us closer together and ended up bringing me such, I I was dramatically different after that. I don't even worry about our budget. I should, I really should. (laughs) But now I've been able to release that. And God showed me, like I said before, that he was my provider, but more than that, that he wanted my freedom. Hmm.
1: I love that. I love that you are showing us how the character of God met you where you were at, brought you through your past, and helped you find healing in your presence so that your family could move forward in health. And that's exactly what God was doing, both for the widow, the prophet, and the nation. He wanted them to see He is the God who lives, that He is present, and that He is our help in our time of need, that He will provide, He will make a way. We just need to seek Him, not false gods or things of this earth that don't necessarily provide security
0: that we think we can find security in and they actually end up controlling us anything we place our security in other than Jesus Christ in the moment we may feel like we have control we may feel secure but it creates this this need that will never quite be filled, and we end up living controlled, and just like I did in in before God intervened, the tension in our home, I mean, there was just so much tension in our home, and everything in my brain was orchestrated, like to the dollar, to the minute, we had to do X, Y, and Z so that this would never happen. And I just think, you know, when you're back in Israel's time, Worshiping false gods. They had all these things they had to do, right? Mm-hmm. Because otherwise something bad was gonna happen. And and if we just recognize God is saying, I not just your provider, but I am your father. And I love you. And I want you to trust me. And so I'm asking you to give this thing up. I had to relinquish in my brain, in my spirit, our home, our car, our bank account, our all the things I was afraid of losing. I had to be willing to give them up. But once I did I, what I experienced, the freedom in Christ and relationship, the freedom in my relationships and just within me, I would go through all that again.
1: Because you're changed and you know that God lives and you saw him alive and active in you and you saw the fruit of that coming out in your family and your family. I'm, you didn't say it, but I'm going to imply that you would say it. Peace came. They weren't stressed
0: anymore because you weren't stressed about what you were worried about, right? Absolutely. And that doesn't mean it was easy. No, no it wasn't an easy not. time. But the one thing also that struck me during that time, and I'm going to just speak briefly to parents, is God really called me, on the I want to say on the table, but I realized I could either display an, a, a Sunday school faith, a faith that didn't stand when life became hard, and then what statement was I making about the God that I was teaching my daughter or I could demonstrate a faith that stood in hard times. And that didn't mean it wasn't hard, and that didn't mean it didn't hurt. What it meant was I made the choice that I was going to turn to Jesus and his truth in the middle of the hard.
1: That's really good. And if you think about it, that is what Elijah did in going to a ravine and waiting for ravens to feed him. And that's what the widow did by being willing to bring him a piece of bread and
0: water. Absolutely. Well, thank you for listening. I hope today's episode encouraged you, especially if you're in a time of need. I hope it just encouraged you to turn to God, tell him your needs. He already knows them and keep alert to ways that he is not just meeting your needs, but revealing himself to you as your loving provider. If you haven't already done so, I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. Then you won't miss a single episode. And we've got some great ones coming up. Make sure to share it as well on social media. Until next time, may you live with the courage of one who truly has been set free. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Faith Over Fear, a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. To learn more about Jennifer Slattery or to check out any of the resources she mentioned in this episode, just head over to her website, Loud.com or check out our show notes. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and edited by Stephen Sanders. A special thanks to our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey. For more Faith Toolkit podcasts like this,